We're going to be wrapping up our series this week on walking in the spirit. Um, We've been talking about this for several weeks, um, kind of talking about it from just like what Jesus said was going to happen. We talked about it um, from that, that, that um, mindset when we went through the last time when G- in John when Jesus was talking in the upper room and he was just kind of telling us what was going to happen um, right up to the very beginning of Acts there. Then we went Old Testament, you know, and we talked about how even the Old Testament feasts pointed to this thing. Um, we talked about... Um, we talked about uh, what it means to walk in the spirit as a church, like uh, when we get together, not not um, indiv- as individuals, but as a church body, and we just kind of come together and we and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And then last week we kind of talked about purpose again. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? This is an area where I think sometimes more than anything in Pentecostal circles we just get a little out of order. Um, don't don't mistake what I'm saying, and you're going to hear me say this again. I, I believe in our theology, our theology, I believe, is so sound um, um, because it's scripture, um, not human nature, right? Um, but the area that I think sometimes we get in trouble with is we take our theology and we, we put the wrong parts first, right? Like sometimes I think as Pentecostal churches, we elevate the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit above the giver of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And above the purpose of of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we're not coming at it the way that Jesus talked about it. We're not coming at it the way that Paul talked about it. We're not talking, we're not, we're not, we're just, we're just kind of missing the point a little bit. If we focus on the evidence, can I, can I just say it like this? It's like focusing on the exhaust coming out of the car instead of the engine, right? Like the exhaust is an evidence that the car is running but what's making the car run is that motor, right? Like that's, that's what's necessary. And when we take our eyes off the giver of the gift and we put it on the evidence of the gift, we're just missing the track a little bit, okay? And so I just really want to encourage you to do that. Steve, could I have you turn on the lights a little bit out there? I like to see you guys a little bit better than I can right now with these spotlights in my face. There you are. You look so good this morning. Um, uh, but I want to just kind of talk a little bit. I want to talk just a little bit about some, um, some things that, you know, I, I grew up, I didn't, if you know my story, I don't want to go into the whole thing again today, but if you know my story, you know it wasn't a straight line from like raised in church to being a pastor. There's a, there's a lot of ups and downs and struggles and doubts and a time when I wasn't serving God and then times, I mean, it, my, it has not been a straight, like I was born and then I've just slowly been more like Jesus every day of my life. That would have been awesome, but it's not even close to the life that I lived. And a lot of the struggles that I had with Pentecostal theology didn't come because I wasn't raised around it. It was because I was raised in it. Um, and I was raised around Pentecostal stuff that was wildly out of control and I believe unbiblical um, from what I see in the Bible. And so that, that actually didn't help me want to be a Pentecostal preacher. It made me want to not be a part of any of this stuff. But as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the more I studied scripture and the more I allowed scripture to just speak, I just can't see anything else than this. And because somebody did something wrong doesn't mean that the theology is wrong. 
right? And we've got to square that with every part of our walk with Jesus, right? Just because somebody in the church does something not that doesn't line up with scripture, and that's going to happen for every one of us. Every one of us, as we follow Jesus, is going to mess up somewhere along the line. Just because somebody messes up doesn't mean that Jesus is messed up. It just means that someone in our life screwed up, right? And so some of the things I want to talk about, let's just talk about a few of the myths, right, just for a second. Like one of the things that I hear regularly when I talk to people about this stuff that, that aren't a part of these circles is that to be Pentecostal means you have to shut off your brain and let feelings run your life. Right? Anybody heard that before? Right? Just got to let those feelings fly. Theology goes out the window. It's all about how you feel. I've heard that before. Can I just tell you that's not biblical, right? The people that wrote our theology, the people that wrote the New Testament, the old, the, the new, you know, Paul, Peter, John, everybody that wrote the New Testament was a Pentecostal person. Theology was birthed from it all. It was written under the direction of the Holy Spirit. It's just a fact. I'm not saying you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to have good theology. What I'm saying is, is it's an absolute myth to think that once you become baptized in the Holy Spirit, feelings have to run you and you have to turn off your brain. That, that's absolutely a myth. It's not, it's not reality. Jesus gave you a brain. And contrary to what some things might tell you, he wants you to use it, right? Use your mind. Think through it. Let's, let's, let's take the, some of those kind of things. Um, one of the things that we see, uh, you know, about, about Pentecostals as well, one of the myths that we see is that they're always trying to add things to Scripture, Right? You, you see that, that somehow the thing that somebody speaks today is, is going to supersede scripture. Listen, can I tell you, I believe God still speaks to his people. I believe we should listen to it. But I also believe that if what is spoken in the name of Jesus doesn't line up with the word of Jesus, then the person who gave the word is wrong, not the Bible. Right? Like anything that somebody speaks in the name of Jesus needs to line up with the word of God or it is in error. Period. The Bible is our authority. Not feeling. Not something new. Right? Again, I believe God will speak and guide. But it has to line up with scripture. So let's, let's dive in. I'm going to, we're going to be flipping all over through the Bible today. Um, and I just want you to kind of be aware, get your Bible out, um, get, get ready, crack your knuckles, get ready to turn. If you, if you've got an electronic version, get ready to flip pages real quick. Um, uh, cause we're going to be moving back and forth fairly quickly. And I want you to see, um, one of the things that I've tried to do in this is I've, I, I haven't like tried to steer away from acts, but I've tried to lend extra weight to the other book of the Bible because one of the myths that happens is if you take acts out of the Bible, then there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit moving today. And can I tell you, that's just a fallacy. Again, like I, I think that's one of the things that's just absolutely uh, a myth because the Holy Spirit is laced from Genesis to Revelation. It is all throughout the Bible because the Holy Spirit isn't tongues. It is part of the Trinity of God. 
right? Part of the Godhead. We talk about the Holy Spirit again, and I've even done it sometimes as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. We call the Holy Spirit it, but we call God or Jesus he, right? And the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead Trinity, three in one, from Genesis to Revelation, right? But I want you to open first to Galatians. Um, that, that's where we're going to be at. Again, I've said this before. I, when I grew up, you know, here it's not, but when I grew up, it was General Electric Power Company. That's, that was ours, and so that's how I remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Um, G-E-P-C. Um, but Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be, and Paul is writing to the church, and I, I, there's probably a heading around verse 16 that says living in the Spirit. If you've got headings in your Bible, um, living in the power of God, there's probably something that says that around verse 16. But Galatians is a letter meant to be read all the way through, and so I'm going to start in verse 13, and I want you to hear it. Paul is talking about what it looks like to live in the Spirit of God, and he says in Galatians 5.13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Let's talk about that for a second. Paul says, don't use freedom you found in Christ to go just jack things up again. Right? He says, use the freedom Christ has given you to serve. To serve. Verse 14, for the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So one of the things that Paul tells us, if, 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 if you're sitting there and you're running people down over and over and over again, that's not what living life in the spirit of God looks like. That should not be the fruit of the Spirit to be running down our brothers and sisters, to be running down other people. So I say, right? Because of that, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, verse 16. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires, let's stop right there for a second actually. What's he saying here? He's saying we have a sinful nature in our lives. Right? And Anybody that's an adult in this room, and even if you're not an adult yet, you can probably agree with, you want to do things that you know are wrong sometimes. Fair? We have that desire in us, things that we know aren't right. And yet, we do them. Because our sinful nature is raging inside of us. And wants it. But what is the spirit to be walking in the spirit, to be led by the spirit? What is, the, what is that? That God's nature will be coming out of us and it will cause us to want to live a life more like Jesus. Not the law, right? He makes sure that we understand living a life of freedom in the spirit does not mean just marrying yourself again to the Old Testament law. Jesus, Paul, the, all the authors of the New Testament under the direction of the Holy Spirit make sure that we know that we are not bound to that law anymore. And as a matter of fact, all that law really showed us is we can't follow it. 
As human beings, they tried to follow it for, for generations and no one ever was able to do it. So being free and living a life in the spirit isn't saying, well, let's trudge out the old law again and make sure we do it that way. No, it's to live a life of freedom and hope pointed at Jesus. Verse 19, when you follow, here, here's some examples. He's gonna give some fruit, if you will. If you're gonna live in the spirit versus living in the flesh, right? Here's what you're gonna see. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying these are the things that are not of the spirit, right? And it's so interesting, isn't it? Like he starts with this real heavy stuff, and then he says things like outbursts of anger, Hello, my name is Jason. I'm a parent of four children. I struggle with outbursts of anger. Right? Envy? Anyone? Being boastful? Quick to argue? Anyone? Right, we're Americans. That's like an American definition of who we are as a people is that we're quick to argue. That is, according to Paul and the Holy Spirit, our flesh winning, not the spirit winning. Right? That's not my words. You just read that right out of your Bible. Or you heard me read it because you didn't bring one. It's not simple. And Paul says that there is a war raging inside of us to try and lead us one way or the other. But what does it look like? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things those who belong to jesus christ have nailed the passion and passions and desires of their sinful natures to his cross and crucified them there since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives let us not become conceited or provoke one another older siblings younger siblings hear me actually hear paul or be jealous of one another. Listen, isn't it interesting to me? I shouldn't say isn't it interesting to me. It's interesting to me. Is it interesting to you? How when Paul gives us a list of things that are of the flesh, he like lists activities. Right? He, he shows us things that are, are things. Some of them are, are more internal, but most of them are things that you would do. But when he gives us list of the spirit, he gives us this list of things that's like attitudes. Or he gives us this list of things that are like, it's an internal thing. You can't just go do joy. Right? Like joy has to come out of you. 
right? It's something that we find through the spirit in our heart. You can't just go do kindness, like this thing. If I just check off this thing, then I've done kind. Like it's something that is inside of you that you demonstrate to people. It's an attitude. It's, it's one of those kind of things. It's not just a list of if I do just enough good and it's more than enough bad, then I'm walking in the spirit. That's exactly the attitude of living in the law that he just said we're supposed to be free of. We're supposed to allow the sinful natures and passions and desires. We're to nail them to a cross and allow them to die there and instead seek Jesus and seek the spirit and we will grow in these kinds of fruits. It's so important. If you want to walk in the spirit, this is where we can start to see, am I really doing that? Am I really doing that? We talked about purpose before. We talked about that. Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit and it will empower you to be my witnesses, to make disciples all over the world. You want to start gauging whether or not you're living in the Spirit? Stop looking at the Old Testament rules and start looking at New Testament attitudes. Are you a person marked by love, joy, peace, kindness? Or are you a person that's marked by the actions of the flesh? And again, lest we think that it's just a big bunch of lists of things that any good going church person will never do, how about envy? How about quick to argue? Outbursts of anger. Again, this is, this is where the rubber hits the road. To live a life marked in the spirit is to be showing the fruit of the spirit. Turn to Acts chapter 16. What are some of the things that we see the spirit doing? Right Again, we see, we see these things. We see patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We see that it's for power, for witness. We see those kind of things. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, this is a story. We, we touched on the story last week, but I wanted, to, I wanted to just talk about it. As Paul was getting ready to go on a trip, they were praying about where to go. And next, Paul and Silas in verse 6, Acts 16, 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. I can't even say that one again. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded God was calling us to preach the good news there and that's when they go um, into Philippi right like the Holy Spirit wants to direct our steps and to live life in the Holy Spirit means we're constantly seeking God what do you want us to what do you want me to do versus what is just my plan right now listen it's important to note Paul had a plan to live life in the Spirit doesn't mean don't have a plan 
I have been told, I, I mention every now and then, um, that, that I am sometimes preparing messages six, seven months ahead of time before I, I do that. And I have been confronted at different times, and I don't see any of those people in this room, so I feel fine saying it right now. Um, how can that be the Spirit of God if you're preparing that far in advance? The Holy Spirit is just about getting up there and letting the Holy Spirit speak through you whatever he does that day. God bless you. If that's how you feel the Holy Spirit needs to work, that's fine. I see Paul planning. I see Paul laying that plan at the feet of Jesus and saying, if it's not the right one, I'm going to follow what you do, but here's my plan. Right? That's, Paul made a plan, but the Holy Spirit stopped him to, from doing one thing, so he was open to doing what the Holy Spirit called him to do. Right? To be a Pentecostal person is not to stop making plans. Right? It is to just allow God control over those plans. And that is such an important thing. Right? I remember one time, again, there are some things I think God just gave us a brain for, as I mentioned before. One of the myths I heard growing up was that if to be fully enveloped in the Spirit was to allow the Holy Spirit to make every decision for your life. That sounds good. But the way that they applied it was that every morning you're supposed to stand in front of your dresser or closet and pray about what the Holy Spirit wants you to wear that day. You're supposed to dress appropriately. Okay, now listen, if you do this, that's fine. I tried it. I went to my closet. That's not true. I went to my pile. <laughs> and I said, God, what do you want me to wear? And I heard absolutely nothing. So in a frantic moment of not being late for school, I threw on some clothes and went to school. Feeling terrible that I did not hear the voice of God because I wasn't spiritual enough. So the next day, I went back in front of my pile. And I said, God, what do you want me to wear? And I remember there are times in my life where I've heard the Holy Spirit talk. I don't believe that I've ever heard the audible voice of God, right? It's, it's in my spirit. But sometimes it almost feels audible. It's so close. And I remember hearing God say, I'm your father, not your mother. I don't care what you wear. And so I got dressed, and I've never asked God about what I'm supposed to wear again. If you do, that's great. I'm just saying God gave us a brain. Okay? God, God, God lets us plan. If I was sitting there getting dressed one morning, and I heard God say, I want you to wear shorts today, I'd put on shorts. But I'm not going to sit there every day and try and figure out whether or not it's this t-shirt or that t-shirt and which hoodie. Because I don't think God cares whether I wear my Rapala hoodie or my G-R-A-O-G hoodie that day. And if he does, he'll tell me. I'm going to listen. Right? But it's so important for us to make plans. Romans 8, I want you to turn to that. Here's another thing that the Holy Spirit will do for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I, don't, I try not to do this very often. It happens sometimes, but I have heard 
again, growing up around Pentecostal circles most of my life, what, the way that I've heard this verse applied over and over and over again is that's what your heavenly language is for. God will give you a language so that when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit can speak through his language for you. Anybody else? Right? Like, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I believe God will baptize us. Part of that in, part of that in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to, to be able to speak another tongue, right? To, to be able to have that heavenly language. But that is not what this verse is saying. We specifically call it a heavenly language or tongues, right? Which implies what? Words. Languages have words. A tongue, to speak in the tongue of Spanish is to speak Spanish words. This says groanings too deep for words. And if you go and you study the Greek, it literally means groanings too deep for words. There are, have you ever been there? You felt something so strongly. Something was just tugging at your spirit so hard. There were no words. But all you could do was lay it out before God with all the things that you felt, all the things that you thought, and there were no words at all. But you just knew that God was hearing the heartbeat of what was going on inside of you. That's what this is talking about. The Holy Spirit is going to let you do that. The Holy Spirit is going to let you do that. It's going to let you pour out your heart when there are no words. This is not about tongues or a heavenly language. There's lots in the Bible about that. We shouldn't be afraid of that. That should be okay. As, a, as an Assemblies of God person, I believe that is the initial evidence that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that's not what this is. This is when there are no words. There's no words. There's just feel. There's just something deep inside of us that we can't put words to. The Holy Spirit will help us communicate that to God. If you don't believe me, because you've looked at these things and you've heard this before, I would love for you to come and I'd love to have a conversation with you and I'll show you the Greek words if you don't know how to look those up yourself. If you do, go check it out. This literally says groanings beyond words. And a heavenly language is words. It's a language. Again, I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes. I believe the Holy Spirit. There are times in my life where I haven't known what to, to pray, so I've just spoke out in my spirit language and just prayed in that and laid it to the feet of God. And I believe he hears my heart. But that's not this. That's not wrong, but that's not this. And it's so important for us to allow God to speak 
through us. John 14, this is another one of those times, I'm gonna go back to it again, where Jesus is in the upper room the night before he's crucified and he's talking to his, his disciples about the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, coming for them. In John chapter 20, uh, 14, verse 26, it says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit does this. How many of you in here are like me and you're forgetful? Oh my goodness, I can remember movie quotes from a movie I saw one time when I was eight years old, but I cannot, for the life of me, remember the year that my children were born. Like, I wish I could choose. I can sing songs. I can still, I, I've said this before, I can tell you all the being verbs or the adverbs from school because I learned them in sixth grade to Mary Had a Little Lamb. Is BM our was where been? Can go through them all. What a useless brain cell. And I am so, I wish I could pick and choose what stuck. But so many times I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I know the Bible says this. I know the Bible says this. And all I have to do, like seriously, so many times, even when I'm preaching, I'm trying to remember something and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit helps me recall. Not how fast a male horsefly can fly in pursuit of a female, which is 60 miles an hour. I remember that from seventh grade science. Again, useless brain cell. But what Jesus spoke, right? You guys all know useless trivia too. It's in there. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit will help us remember what Jesus said. I want you to hear just for a second. I grew up, and I've mentioned this, I grew up in Pentecostal circles uh, around them. Um, I went to an altar. I mentioned this a couple years ago. Um, and I... You know, there were a bunch of well-meaning people that were spitting all over me and yelling in languages I didn't understand and trying to push me down. And I'm too stubborn. I, I mentioned this before. My, my stepbrother was there too, and they, had, they were doing the same thing. And he got embarrassed and overwhelmed, and so he just threw up his hands and he faked it, right? He just started yelling, I'll never forget, hun gully gully, hun gully gully, hun gully gully. So they'd let him go. <laughs> I'm too stubborn. I, I wouldn't do it. I just sat there, and finally they got tired of me and they moved on to someone else. And I was so put off by that experience that I didn't really want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't want a fake. I don't want something man-made. I don't want something that's just manufactured. I can fake plenty of other things. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. And it seemed to me in that moment completely and utterly fake and fabricated. And I, if you know my story, you know my relationship with my mother is complicated and extremely rocky. But one of the best memories I have with my mother is we went down that night and we play, prayed nighttime prayers in our bedrooms. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit sitting in my bedroom saying nighttime prayers. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I'm so glad I didn't buckle under the pressure to perform and fake it. I've never one time had to question whether or not it was real because there was no pressure for it to be fake. I can tell you again, my dad's story, my dad sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit for decades. 
But in his experience, there were two ladies that kind of defined things. My grandma was an amazing woman of God. As far as I know, she was never baptized in the Holy Spirit um, in, in, in the way that we're talking about this morning. Um, but she lived a godly, simple life that was just marked by prayer and answers to prayer. The most Pentecostal woman that my dad knew was my mother who had affairs and caused all kinds of problems in his life. And so he had this negative view of this godly woman in his life didn't have it. And this woman that had caused him pain did. And I'm not trying to run my mom down in this. Please don't mistake what I'm saying. This is just facts of the story. Having talking it through with my dad. If my mom, my mom's been watching him. Mom is, I, I'm not trying to run you down. It's just the facts of the story. And so for decades, my dad wrestled with that. The godliest woman I know didn't have it. And the woman that probably caused me most pain in my life did. And it took decades for him to work his way through that and be willing to just come to the Holy Spirit and say, all right, I submit. It was decades. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit is an amazing thing. And I believe it should be sought because the Bible tells us to seek it. The Bible tells us we should. And I don't see anything in the Bible that ever implies that we should stop. We should continue to seek it. But it is not salvation. Hear me. You don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. You don't have to speak in tongues to see fruit of the Spirit because the Spirit is inside of you when you choose Jesus. I believe it's another step we should take to go deep with God. I believe it is for all of these things. I believe it will give us more power for witness. I believe all of those things. But if we're focused on the evidences and not the Spirit, we're backwards. Can I tell you another thing in here? I have sat through some horrible theology in this stuff again. And I'm not trying to say I'm the end all be all. I'm going to get to heaven and realize I had screw stuff screwed up and Jesus is going to have to set me straight. Okay. Like we're all going to get there and realize that I'm not trying to say I'm some, you know, almighty scholar and everybody else. Please don't mistake. This is not pride. This is just, I just, I've, I've heard theology that doesn't line up with scripture. I've heard that you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved. That's not true. It's not true. I believe you have to be saved to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved. There, there's just, there's just, I've heard from so many people that feel like they're somehow an incomplete Christian because this hasn't happened for them yet. And can I tell you, if you're struggling with that out there, lay it down. Give it to Jesus. He's enough. He's the giver of the spirit. The spirit will come. I have sat in camp services and altars where they literally tried to give tongue speaking lessons. Right? I've heard this exact same thing said before from the pulpit. Languages are made up of vowels. 
So just say A-E-I-O-U over and over again until God fills in the consonants. A lot of languages don't have A-E-I-O-U in them. Right? Like, it's silly. We can't teach you English to teach you a heavenly language. And the point isn't the language anyway. The point is the spirit. I've heard people say something uncontrollable is going to well up inside of you and burst forth like water from a dam. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. That certainly wasn't my experience. Not that my experience trumps scripture, but I don't see anywhere where the Holy Spirit took somebody's tongue and started wagging it and making them talk. You're going to have to submit. The Holy Spirit, I believe, will baptize you in the spirit, but you're going to have to submit to him just like you had to submit to him and lay down your own desires to receive salvation. You've got to submit to him and let him work through you for these kind of things to go down. So here's how we're going to end. I'm going to ask Ella to just come up and play for a little bit. I'm going to ask our leadership team to just kind of sit down across the front. I don't want you standing in the front face them back. I just kind of want you to come and sit down in the front. If you're in this place, I, I, my man, you preached the gospel a lot longer than I have. Can you come up and just kind of sit right up here, Greg? And, uh, and uh, listen, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit today, I want you to just come up and I want you to just find a spot at this altar. Okay. And people are going to come behind you and they're going to lay a hand on your shoulder and they're going to pray for you. Nobody's going to get up in your business. Hear me? Right? Leadership team, people, I just, nobody's going to get up in their business. We don't have to manufacture something. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit today and you have chosen Jesus, I want you to just come up and pray at an altar and lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Don't seek tongues, seek the Spirit. When you feel the Spirit, spirit well up in you, let the Spirit need to do what the Spirit needs to do. Okay? Nobody's going to push you down. We're not looking for angel dust or anything like that today. We're just going to pray. Somebody's going to set a hand on your shoulder and they're going to pray. Okay? If you are in here and this sounds awesome, but you haven't chosen Jesus yet, you need to deal with that first. You just turn around and say, I haven't chosen Jesus yet. And we want to, we want to lead you in that before before we pray for baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's the order it happens in in Scripture. If you're done, after I pray, you are welcome to go. I'd ask you to keep your conversations to the hallway out there and on the way out. But I would encourage you, if you're in here, one of the, we didn't have enough time this morning, but one of the things that you see over and over again in the New Testament is people being filled again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Because there are times in life when all of a sudden we start to feel dry. Just like a plant. And we need to be filled again, watered again. Seek the Holy Spirit again. If that's you, come do it. If this is the first time, come lay it down. Come lay yourself down. Seek the Holy Spirit. It's worth it. Like I said, we're not going to pressure anybody today. Nobody's going to get all up in your grill. Nobody's going to try and push you down and spit in your face. None of that's going to happen today. We just want to pray with you. Okay? But like I said, if you're done and you're ready to go, 
Just keep your conversations out to the foyer this morning, all right? Jesus, you're awesome. I need more of you. I need more of you. I need to be filled again. God, I'm so grateful that you didn't just give me this huge mission and you didn't empower us to do it. You gave us a huge mission and you said, I will send the Holy Spirit who will empower you to do it. Thank you. Fill us again. Guide us again. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you're done, you can go. If you would love to be filled or refilled, I'm going to encourage you to take a step and come to this altar and let somebody pray with you.